Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 39 of Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to be reading verse 18. Revelation 11, verse 18. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, in the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Now we were looking at verse 18. Um, over the course of our last couple of studies, we saw that God is saying judgment day is the time of the dead, the time that the dead should be judged. And we went to many verses that indicated that it, it's not just speaking about the physically dead, but the spiritually dead. And so when Judgment Day did arrive on May 21, 2011, it was the time of the dead, the unsaved people of the world who are dead in trespasses and sins for their judgment. The time of their judgment had arrived. We also saw that God speaks of Judgment Day as the time when the Lord Jesus Christ judges the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. And that information led us into a discussion on judging and and what a judge really does. And a judge is to find innocence or guilt. And, And so the living, which points to God's elect, and the dead, which are not God's elect, the unsaved, are all brought before the judge of all the earth, eternal God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And judgment day is a time for punishing the wicked and a time for determining the innocence of those that are not wicked because their sins have been taken from them, paid for by Christ's atoning work. And, and thereby making them righteous, making them clean in the sight of God, and, and innocent before his eyes. And that is what is being accomplished over the course of this prolonged period of judgment. God is punishing the unsaved. Those that have become his people or profess to be Christians outside of the churches, the Lord is trying them to see if it is so. Are they truly elect? And so he has placed them into the spiritual fire and the determination will be made by the end. According to those that endure to the end, they will only endure because God has already saved them and given them a new heart and new spirit and because they have no sin upon them to destroy them, 
uh, to burn them up uh, during this period. Well, we we saw that the time of the dead um, is come that they should be judged, and and that's why this is called Judgment Day, the time of judging, and and all are being judged. The elect are brought before the judgment seat of Christ. We're making an appearance before his judgment seat, even though God knows his people. He He's the one who predestinated each one to obtain salvation. He's the one that took our sins upon himself from the foundation of the world and paid for them. And he knows each one intimately, very personally, yet God is just and he wants there to be no question about uh, the guilt of any or the innocence of any. So he has his people appear to demonstrate, to make manifest before the judgment seat of Christ for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. And, and, and so we're all before the judgment seat. If any iniquity is found in us, we will be destroyed. We will not endure to the end of this period of time faithfully. But if no iniquity is found in us, we'll continue on. God will continue leading us and directing us and finally making it through the entire period of Judgment Day, which very likely is 1,600 days, making it through the complete testing period through the fiery trial of faith, will prove and demonstrate it will make manifest that we were already judged in Christ at the point of the foundation of the world. And so we would have um, appeared, we would have made that appearance before the judgment seat of the Lord. Well, let's let's continue reading here in, in the second part of verse 18, that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Well, we have here the reward for God's people, and God's people here are called prophets, saints, them that fear thy name, small and great. They're all synonyms, all speaking of the elect of God, and once a child of God is confirmed, once the Lord has accomplished his purpose in uh, trying the gold, silver, precious stones, and they come through the fire, well, then the the reward is granted. It is given. Actually, before that, each one that God has saved has already received eternal life. We we have become saved, and that is ultimately the reward that's in view. Now, Judgment Day will finally bring that to completion, as, as at the end of this period of time, God will uh, complete the salvation of all that he uh, saved, all that he chose to salvation, by giving them resurrected bodies, and 
bringing them into the new heaven and new earth, and all that is part of the reward of eternal life. And and that's the wonderful thing, the beautiful thing that God has in store for his people. Let's just look at a couple of verses with this word reward in Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, it says uh, in verse 22, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Here God is speaking to each of his people, and he's telling us, if you are being um, reviled, if, if men are uh, giving distance between themselves and you, because of the Son of Man, not because of your personality or my personality, not because we are offensive in some way. Of course, that that's not what God's talking about. But if this is happening, where you're becoming a reproach, and your name is cast out as evil for the Son of Man's sake, and the Son of Man is the Word made flesh, for the Word's sake. That is because you adhere to the teachings of the Bible faithfully. You hold on to them, and and when men come and dislike these teachings, and they let you know about it by, again, not being friendly with you or, or not treating you in a decent way, well... God is saying, rejoice in that day. And, you know, that's excellent counsel to each one of us because what we tend to do is to feel bad about the treatment we just received and we might feel sorry for ourselves, and we might be sad that we we don't have as many friends as we like and, and so forth and, and we can think very negatively. And God would not have us to think that way, but he's counseling us in a different direction. Turn your mindset around and think about this actually in an objective way and consider that this is what was done to the prophets before you, to the true prophets, not false prophets. If um, you were following a lie if if the things you believe were not true believe me you would be much better received by your family by your neighbors by the people of the world they they're not troubled when people hold on to lies because they hold on to lies and and so you're just like them but it's only when you hold on to a truth that this is troubling to them because the truth shines the light into the darkness where they live and it convicts them they don't like the shining of the truth of the Bible. And and uh, that's what the prophets before 
did when when they were declaring the word of God and suffered for it, and that's what God's people do today. And and so therefore rejoice because you know that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Moses and Noah and all the saints of God, all the true believers of the past who lived their lives faithfully, honoring God and his word, steadfastly um, maintaining the line of truth. They, they would not go back. They would not compromise. They, they would not give in on a point of doctrine. Well, you know that now they're gone and certainly it, it was far better for them. And, and don't we know that as we read the Bible and we read of the Apostle Paul and all the sufferings he went through? Or we read of Moses 40 years in a desert from age 40 to 80. And then again, God using him to deliver Israel from Egypt, wandering in the wilderness for another 40 years from 80 to 120. Or Daniel being made a eunuch, living his life in Babylon under an evil king or evil kings as one would die and another would come. And we we see their trials, we see their afflictions, we see their uh, grief on the pages of the Bible. And these were real men that lived on the earth just like we live on the earth now. And do we read of the tribulation and the affliction they went through and say, Oh, those poor men, those poor men, and feel sorry for them and... And pity them. Oh, what, what, uh, terrible lives they led. No, we don't do that because we have this vantage point of knowing that they lived their lives to the glory of God. They lived God honoring lives. They gave up worldly pleasures, worldly lusts. They gave up worldly admiration and praise for service to God, and they live their lives, difficult lives, and yet now their lives are over, and they're with the Lord in heaven, and they have eternal life, and and a glorious eternal future, like every child of God. And we read the Bible, and we know it was worth it. They made the right decision. When we read of Moses, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 11, and it says in verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And we know immediately when we read this, yes, Moses did exactly the correct thing. He was right by God's grace. God gave him wisdom. God gave him strength 
to make the correct determination that it's better to serve God and suffer with the people of God, suffer affliction, than to have remained in in the high court of power within Egypt. And who knows, he could have rose to some great heights and authority within the greatest nation of the world of that day. And so what? So what? Then he would have died, and and that would have been it. And his life would have been over a, a few short years where where he pleasured himself and he satisfied his vain lusts and and people around him gave him respect. So what? And then it's over and done with. But Moses, by, again, the grace of God, it's always by the grace of God, esteemed the reproach of Christ, that difficult path, that narrow way, that that way that the world despises and disdains and looks down upon and and they they have no time for it and it it's the road though the only road that leads to heaven and it's the way that God has chose this is the way the only way you can go other ways there's many other ways there's a broad way but it will lead to destruction. Yet Moses, by God's grace, esteemed that way to be more valuable than all the riches of Egypt. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And remember, that's what God says to us today in Hebrews 10, in that very uh, helpful passage we we saw this passage early on after May 21, 2011, and we realized it had to do with today, and and uh, it does. God has given us these verses for those of us that are living in the world in the day of judgment, and, and he was speaking directly to us in Hebrews 10.35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence which has great recompense of reward. So we're told exactly what Moses knew. He knew that the reproach of Christ had great recompense of reward. And God is saying the same thing to you and to me and to every true Christian. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. And uh, and again, having done the will of God is referring to completing our task of evangelizing the world during the day of salvation. And now there is the need of patience as our faith is tried. And then it goes on to say in verse 37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And in other words, here we wait in affliction. This is not 
um, enjoyable. It's not pleasant to live in the world at this time in history. It certainly is a grievous time, a difficult time for the child of God. Yet, God says, remember, uh, cast not away your confidence. It has a great recompense of reward. And that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the completion or the fulfillment of the reward for for nothing, nothing we've done. We don't deserve any reward. We haven't earned any reward. And and the word reward is actually the word translated sometimes as hire. It's a word that means wage. It, it is what God gives to each one of his laborers. And all, in a sense, are, are laborers once they become saved. And everyone is given the identical reward of eternal life. This reward is what is being referred to in Revelation 11, verse 18, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great. And... And so here we are at the point of receiving that great recompense of reward. That wonderful promise, that, that great hope that God has written about throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible, he's spoken to sinners that, that live in this corrupt world that are subject to death and dying and, and there has been death in every generation, uh, as men die due to their sins, even after salvation, their bodies die. The hope, though, was found in the scriptures. The only hope for for men, for those chosen, selected as a remnant out of the whole of mankind, the only hope was the word of God and God's promise, as he has promised, to give eternal life to those that he saves. And so men have died holding on to that hope, and now we live at this point holding on to that hope. It is our expectation, and God has said, your expectation shall not be cut off we will receive that recompense of reward. We will have our expectation met. We will live forevermore. And and it, it's, uh, of course, the greatest valuable gift that anyone could have to to possess eternal life through God's grace and mercy. Well, uh, let's go on and read the last part of verse 18. And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Well, this is interesting how God concludes this verse with this statement. The Greek word translated as destroy here is found only six times, twice in this verse, and four other times in the New Testament. And in one place it's translated as perish. Uh, in Revelation 8-9, it's also translated as destroyed. 
And in two other places, it's translated as corrupt or corrupted. Uh, we'll just look at one of them in Luke 12 and verse 33. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's the word translated as destroy. This is not the typical word we find in the New Testament for destroy. This word, again, is only found six times, and two out of the six, it's translated as corrupt. Uh, the other place is 1 Timothy 6, verse 5. And it's interesting, when we look at the Old Testament, there's also a Hebrew word in the Old Testament that God translates as destroy and as corrupt. And it's a word found in Genesis chapter 6 in relationship to the flood, the approaching flood. In Genesis 6 verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Now, the, the Hebrew word here, corrupt, is 7843 in Strong's Concordance. And then in verse 12, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. That's that word again. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. The same word. And then in verse 13, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The word destroy is a translation of the same Hebrew word translated as corrupt. I will destroy them with the earth. So they corrupted the earth. The whole earth was corrupt. And God says, I will corrupt them with the earth. It's a very similar statement to Revelation 11, verse 18, which I'll, I'll read again. It says, And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. We could read that. And shouldest destroy them which corrupt the earth, or shouldest corrupt them which corrupt the earth. As to to see corruption is to be destroyed. It, it It's not a bad translation of the word. And it very interestingly, in the Genesis account, speaking of the flood God is going to bring, he uses this kind of idea that mankind has corrupted the earth, therefore God will destroy them with the earth. It, it's also in Genesis 6.17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy, again, 7843 all flesh wherein is the breath of life and and so we can see one thing that uh, we know judgment day began on May 21 2011 and May 21 2011 has a strong tie in with the flood because it was 7000 years from the flood on the very day the flood waters began, the 17th day of the second month, that was the underlying date 
for May 21, 2011. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.